Hey, everybody. Welcome into the My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. I'm James Adams along with Skeeter Robinson. Skeeter, appreciate you having me once again. And uh, before we start looking forward to this uh, very interesting and um, more of a fun laid-back golf tournament than we're used to, uh, what what do we take away at all from the Farmers last week? Obviously, Justin Rose did Justin Rose things and uh, came away with another victory. Yeah, that was another brilliant prediction on my behalf. Like, I looked at him. Oh, he lost three strokes the week before at the Desert Classic. Hmm, you know, there's that new iron change. You know, let's take a wait-and-see approach. And he sh- and he wins at minus 21. Like, I think it's a new tournament record or awfully close to it. So, yeah, that didn't work so well. I ended up playing uh, 20 lineups. I, I, ma- I built my one core and then threw 19 uh, other ones just into, a $3, into the $3.20 max and Surprisingly, I matched the field as far as 6-6, six 5-6, six, 4-6. Six, six. But my problem was I didn't have anybody at top. I think uh, Joel Dahman was my highest guy at T9. Uh, Fina was up there like Howell didn't come through for me. Um, let's see, Luke List was okay. I missed the cut with Norin, which hurts. And mm-hmm. there was somebody else I missed the cut with. And then just even in the core, like even when I had Rom, you know, I had some teams with Rom, it just didn't match, didn't match. Um, Cantley, I had as kind of a secondary play. He hurt a few lineups, so I cashed a few, but nothing, nothing great. Just didn't have anybody in the top ten with all the big names that kind of ended up with, up there. Kind of killed my week. Yeah, and and I kind of went the same way. I actually did not have a six of six lineup. I had uh, um, I didn't play as many lineups. Played ten, all in the uh, three dollar fifty k birdie. Um, Interestingly, that's a 40K birdie without Tiger in the field this week. Um, <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> and uh, I, I had two lineups that had uh, only four golfers make the field, make the cut, but uh, both of them cashed uh, $3 into 8 bucks. So I did not fare great, um, as I as I was telling you earlier on. The, uh, the lineups were looking great on Friday, but when you get two guys that don't make the cut, and what stinks is they don't make the cut with minus twos and minus ones because the cut line is under par. It's not like I had some duds in there either, but uh, made it for an enjoyable weekend. And uh, I think this is a weekend we will both agree is one of the more enjoyable ones in golf with the Waste Management Open in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, as the as the Royal Rumble leaves the Phoenix area, as that happened on oh, Sunday, yeah. we have uh, we have a lot more rowdiness to stay. <laughs> as this is this is a very atypical golf tournament. Yes. Um. Yeah, the, so this is the Waste Management Open at TPC Scottsdale. They've played here forever. Par 71, 7,261 yards. So, yeah, probably about average, maybe a little shorter than what you would expect for a par 71. It's kind of a, it, it's a fun finish. Because there's, mm-hmm. there's par fives on, I think it's 13 and 15. 17 is a drivable par four with water left and right of the green and it's a deep green so on sunday i think they put it traditionally in the back left so you could have a hundred foot eagle putts essentially at one point on sunday you might see some hundred foot putts and from that point you, you would be happy with a three putt par so nah, not if you saw the way john rom hit that 62 footer the other day uh he didn't actually hit it he lipped one out but i was watching some highlights oh and, uh... Yeah. He lift out a 62-footer. I mean, and it looked good the whole way. Right, because I think that I think the announcer said something about like Gary McCord. I think says like, oh, he's not going to get it there, and like 15 feet, I was like, oh, it's getting there. And I, oh wait, that's going in. 
Yeah. And that thing just, and, I mean, I, that looked good so long, and I, I, you know, just hit the right lip or right cut edge. And mm -hmm. A little too much pace, but yeah, that was a great putt. But of course, you know, Rom doesn't have a history of making good putts at uh, Tory Pines, but uh, it's probably not the guy you want to compare everyone else putting to when he's <laughs> generally the, the highest priced player almost every week. Right, and again this week, which was a little interesting, but I, I think I'm starting to see why. But no, so 17 is a fun hole, 18 is a tough par four, but really the hole that makes the Waste Management Phoenix Open the uh, tournament it is, is is the par three 16th. Like they build, it's it's literally a stadium hole. Like there's 40, 50,000 people in stands all around the area. And they're going to boo any golfer that doesn't make the green and they will wildly cheer if, they put it close, and if there's a hole-in-one, uh, Francesco Molinari did a few years ago, the crowd goes nuts. You might see caddy races. You might see the players throw stuff into the crowd. Um, I think they open the gates at 6 a.m., and it's a dead sprint from the <laughs> gates to the 16 to claim your spot. And it's like four or five hours before even the first golfer comes through. So it's it's definitely a steam atmosphere. There are certain golfers that really embrace it, like Ricky Fowler, really embraces it um even rom does a little bit and there might be a couple golfers who really just try to just play like a different hole but it really isn't but it's a unique experience one time a year it's really fun to watch didn't they do away with the caddy races did they uh, i think they did for whatever reason and i don't remember why i don't know if guys maybe who knows they could have they could have stepped on the green too firm in a race and <laughs> it's legit i don't know why they did but i'm pretty sure they did do away with the uh, caddy races but um, still, it is a lot of fun, especially as you're sitting around getting ready for the Super Bowl, right? It's a, it's a, it's a lively party atmosphere type of event, and that's what people are doing as they get ready for the Super Bowl. So this is, this is, this is one of those golf tournaments that you wouldn't think it it syncs up so well to, to then watching football, but it really does. Well, and what's really funny is at least the past three years, I don't know, maybe it was longer than that, the past three years, there's been a playoff and. Three years ago or two years ago, it was Hideki Matsuyama winning in four whole playoffs that actually cut into the Super Bowl. At least last year, Gary Wivlin beat Chess Rivi on the first playoff hole to get done before the Super Bowl festivities. But So yeah, this, this tournament has a history of going extra holes, so just kind of keep that in mind. You can always DVR it and then watch uh, get caught up during the, uh, the commercials. Oh, wait, that's blasphemy. You're supposed yeah. to watch the commercials for Super Bowl. Um, well, let's let's get into the field here, Skeeter. I think uh, we'll do it how we do every week. We'll start at the 10K plus range, and we got to start with the aforementioned John Rahm, who uh, again, you know, finishes tied fifth. Would have been even higher than that if that 62 footer footer had gone in. Um, you know, he's John Rahm. He's a guy you can certainly put in in any lineup. He has been on fire seemingly for a very long time. And here's a guy. Uh, he's played this course three times recently. 16th, 11th, and 5th. Yeah, and so what I'm doing this week stat-wise is I, I, I have two sets of models. I have one that's still looking at over all rounds from last season and this season because, you know, we still have some golfers who've only played four rounds. We've had some who've played 12 in this calendar year. But I'm also starting to look a little more short-term since now we have some guys who are playing two or three rounds. So I'm looking at 12 rounds – uh, last 12 round stats and longer term stats over the past um, what, uh, like 100 rounds, 100, yeah, basically around 100 rounds. 
for Rom, when I'm looking long term, he I mean he's top ten and buries are better. DraftKings points, T to green, greens of regulation. Really no apparent weakness. Very good on the par fours. Um there are was there eleven par fours on this course. Ten of them are between 400 and 500 yards, so he rates very well in those categories. There's also a narrative here, I think. Uh, he did go to Arizona State, and tend to see a lot of the Arizona State golfers uh, show up at this tournament. So, for me, I it feels like he's just due for a win. He's got four top tens. Yes, I know he won the Hero World Challenge. I don't count that as an official event. But he's been nothing but top tens this season, and I'm curious to see where he ends up ownership-wise just because of the Arizona State narrative, the fact that we've been seeing him play a lot, and I think the big question marks uh, Hideki, which we'll get to here in a couple minutes. What do people do with him, and do they pivot to Rom for 800 more? So he's my favorite play in this range. I, I happen to like three of the four guys at 10K+. Plus. For me, Rom's my early one-and-done pick. We'll see if that still holds true come Wednesday night. Justin Thomas, the next guy on the list, um, hasn't played in a couple of weeks, but his two finishes in January have been pretty good, minus 12, minus 18. Uh, very interesting recent course history, a 17th sandwich. He had a 17th, finished 17th last year and four years ago, but missed a cut the two years in between. Um, uh, an interesting guy. I'm not sure I'm ready to throw 11K at him. I th I, mean, I think he's the best player in the field. Um I know some might argue Rob. I still think JT is. When I look long-term long stats, here's what he is number one at over the past uh, you know, two seasons, I guess. So the full 2018 season and the start of the 2019 season. Here's where he ranks number one at. Tita Green, ball striking, which is off the T plus, T to, uh, plus uh, approach. Uh, DraftKings points, birdies are better. Par four uh, strokes gained. Number one in approach, number one from par fours from 450 to 500, and number two in bogey avoidance. This is all long term. When I go short term, he's still top 10 in tee to green, ball striking, and approach. Really no weakness. 11,000. From a pure golf standpoint, I think he's a better play than Rom, but Rom's on such a such a roll that I think I'll I'm going to lean towards the momentum of Rom over Thomas. But I. If I build 20 lineups again, I think I will. Rom's probably more likely to be in my core. Thomas, potential core if Rom gets a little high ownership, but definitely in my secondary core, and I will make sure I have plenty of exposure to JT. For what it's worth, I don't know that I'll have the 10K tier in any of my lineups. If I do, because I'm very fond of the 9K tier, which we'll get into briefly here, but the uh, the 10K tier, I think just it makes it so hard to set the set of full six golfers um, but the guy I do like best in this uh, in this tier is Hideki Matsuyama. I mean, he is coming off of the tied third minus 16. That is certainly, um, you know, certainly a great finish to carry some momentum in here. And then I think the other thing that you have to look at is the fact that he won this event two years ago and three years ago. He withdrew last year, but a second and fourth before that. So we're talking about four straight years of top four finishes before the withdrawal last year. And a guy coming off of a third, to me, that makes him my favorite play in this tier. <laughs> and he's going to be everybody's favorite tier. Favorite sure. Play. I mean, how he's 14-1 to 1 here, betting-wise, I I was shocked when I saw 14-1. to 1. I thought he'd be closer to 10. Uh, th I mean, there's a debate in fantasy golf whether, tournament, whether course history, tournament history means anything. 
for those who are team pro course history, uh, course history, tournament history, Hideki Matsuyama at Phoenix is the prime example. Four top, four straight top four finishes. He withdrew last year, and that just killed lineups. I mean, he was so highly owned. I think I had him in five of ten lineups. Mm. I think six of six ended up being like one or two percent. Miraculously, I did have one of those, and I think it was my best week of the year or best lineup of the year. But yeah, everything rates out course history. Short term stat model: first in approach, second ball striking, fourteenth, fourth tee to green. Seventh in DraftKings points. Long term, he was still even fits out. Uh, sixth in DraftKings points. Fourth in par four strokes gained. Fifth in approach. Eighth in bogey avoidance. Twelfth tee to green. There's no weakness for him, long term or short term. He has the course history. The only concern here is I think he could approach 40% ownership. And in tournaments, that might be time to either fade or go a little what they call underweight. So what that means is if you're playing... 10 lineups and he's going to be 40% owned. You only play him in two lineups. That way you still have a little bit of equity, but if he bombs out, you have an advantage over the field. Yeah, I see myself uh, probably being underweight as far as that goes. The final guy in the 10K tier is Andrew Schlafly. Schlafly, I keep wanting to add an L in there. I know there's one at the end. I want to add one at the beginning. <laughs> um, the guy looked great at the century at the beginning of the month. Uh, took a little bit of a break. Not bad, T25, a 9-under at the Farmers this past week. So those are uh, two tournaments he's played in this month, look pretty good. One time played in this tournament, that was last year, he finished 17th. So uh, a guy who, uh, for me, at 10000 I'm going to pay the couple extra bucks to get Matsuyama, or I'm going to drop down in the 9K range, although he's definitely a guy that I anticipate makes the cut. Yeah, I completely agree. Xander is one who tends to sometimes show up at the big events, and I don't know if this qualifies. He certainly can contend, but I'm with you. I mean, I'd rather pay the 600 extra for Hideki, or if I'm going to try to avoid all the ownership, I, I'll dip down in the 9K range where you and I, I think, like a lot of golfers in this range. It's just, for me, for Xander, it's just a misprice. It's just, he, his price is in the wrong area on, in this field in this week, so... I'm with you. I will not have any Xander. I don't think he's a terrible play, but he's kind of the, he's the guy I'm just choosing to fade here just because I think I like the three above him more, and I like some of the guys in 9K a lot better too. Into the 9K range we go. The first guy, Gary Woodland. I certainly look at him as a guy I can play. Obviously, coming off the tied ninth finish is, is, is good to look at. Um, and then he's the guy who won this tournament last year. However, he missed the cut in two of the three years prior to that. So the course history, while he's won here, he's also not necessarily done great. Um, not my favorite play in this tier, but a guy I'll consider. I had him last year. I had him and Chez Rivi, who played in the playoff, and I actually needed a Rivi to win because he was lower owned, but, you know, I was, it was still a good week regardless. Yeah, I, I wonder how he deals with... Um, the all responsibilities of being the defending champ. The fact that he played well at the Farmers after I think he had a I think his grandma or his um his wife's grandma passed away while in Hawaii. Maybe that's why he finished 80th. So um he's gaining strokes in approach though every tournament. So lost did lose five strokes putting at Sony. So that might have explained some things. Stat wise though again long term first in ball striking first in greens and regulation. He's top ten in a ton of stats. Every, you know, par 4, 450, 500, tee to green, everything like that. 
Uh, short term, checks out well. Third seed to green. Third in DraftKings points. Five in approach. I like him better than Exam and then Shoffley, and I get a $200 discount. I don't think Woodland will be on my core, but I think he is definitely somebody in my 20 lineup pool that I will consider. Webb Simpson, the next guy at 9,700. I like him. Um, I like him for a few reasons. While last year he missed the cut, his four previous times playing the tournament, he finished 14th or better. Um, and in his recent play, his recent form, it does go back into November as he's not played a lot here since the, uh, the New Year break. But recent form going back through November is very good as well. So Webb Simpson at 9,700, a guy that I think is my favorite play in this tier, although I like this tier quite a bit. So uh, I'm really, you know, I'm drawing straws here. No, uh, Webb's fine. He hasn't missed a cut since the Travelers in June. Let's see, he has five top tens in that time, including eighth of the tournament champions. Had uh, two top tens during the, or yeah, two top tens during the FedEx Cup playoffs. Rates out statistically well. Again, fifth in ball striking, sixth tee to green. This is all short term. Uh, sixth in opportunities gained, which is anything with putts within 15 feet. Fourth in approach. Even when we go long term on him, uh, 13th tee to green, first in bogey avoidance, second par four strokes gained. Everything kind of sets up for him at this course. He's another really good play here as well. Ricky Fowler, my next guy in this list that I'm looking at. And uh, I just wonder, you know, his last couple of years here have been pretty good. In fact, they've been really good, 11th, 4th, and 2nd. And I just wonder how much of that has to do with the release of the stress from the previous week where, you know, he's one of the key spokesmen for Farmers Insurance at the Farmers Insurance Open. And you look at his tournament last week, it's almost like they said, all right, Ricky, relax, go out there and make the cut. He shoots that 66 in the round two. But a 73, a 74, and a 74 around, it's like he's there to do a lot more than play golf. As you said, he likes this place. Uh, I, I feel like this is a week where he can just go out and play golf. Yeah, what, what concerns me here is that he lost five strokes on approach and another two and a half putting. So that that's my only concern here. And the fact that just, there's just so many guys in this 9K range that I like. Like, when I look short-term, eh, stats not great. Long-term, he's second bogey avoidance, seventh par four strokes gains, seventh DraftKings points. He's fine, but I just, I don't know. I, I tend to think that I like some of the other guys around him a little bit better, but I can't fault anybody for playing him. He's still playing fairly decent. I would bet the next guy on the list is Phil Mickelson. I'm assuming you like him. I know I do as well in this tier. Again, I love this 9K tier this week. Um, he's won the tournament a handful of – well, not a handful, not five, but he's won the, the tournament several times. Uh, the last time he won it in 2013, he won it in 96 and 05. But the last three years, 5th, 16th, and 11th. So here's a guy who clearly plays well here. He is uh, one of those West Coast Arizona State guys, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he is. And, and then on top of all of that – uh, you know, coming off of a couple of weeks ago, tied for second, minus 25. He came out and shot that 60 in round one, but backed it up with 68, 66, 69. Uh, so recent form looks good, too. Yeah. Um, like, he was one I was not on at all at the Desert Classic, mainly because of the fact he didn't play well in the Tour Championship, and then he kind of struggled in that match play against Tiger. So... Yeah, he's a tough one to kind of try to figure out for me. 
because the home narrative, the course history certainly fits. Stat-wise, he's not really jumping out there. The only stat that he really jumps out at, and maybe this is among the most important ones, he's second in birdies and better, fourth in DraftKings points. So he will score. Like, he's more, I mean, he's likely to go shoot 66, make eight birdies, a double, and a, and a, and a bogey. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll have, like, mm-hmm. one or two blow-up holes. But he scores, which for fancy golf purposes, you'll take. I wonder how popular he's going to be. Like, I can see a lot of Hideki, Phil, or Rom Phil combinations to start lineups. That might be what gets me off of him at the end. But outside of that, I, I do like him. I just – I have a hard time playing Phil because I know he's always so popular. If that yeah, I imagine sense. his ownership – no, I get you. His ownership's going to be very high this week. I can almost guarantee it. Um, another popular golfer is Matt Kuchar. He's the next guy on the list. Um, you know, uh, a minus 22, a minus six, a minus 22, a minus six. Those are his last four competitive rounds going back into November. Does that mean he's a minus six this week and doesn't quite pay off what he's worth? He's been pretty good here the last two years, a fifth and a ninth, though. So Kucher, a guy uh, I'll certainly consider as one of the cheaper guys in the 9,000 range. Oh, I had him last year. And he, I think he – what did he do? I think he bogeyed or he missed – like the two par fives coming in, he either bogeyed one or he um, he parred them all. And then on seventeen, I think he I think he hit his tee shot in the water. Like he was in contention. I don't think he was real high owned either. So yeah, I have some memories of him on on that. Just kind of not doing enough. But um, long term fifth bogey avoiding sixth and par four strokes gain. Short term models where he's going to really pop. Uh, second birdies are better. Second bogeys avoidance. Seventh par four strokes gain. He's tenth in greens and regulation. Sixteenth tee to green. There's just no weakness, and it. it's kind of like we finally have Matt Kuchar back. And at this price, ninety two hundred, I think it's a really good price. I, again, I I'm curious to see where he's going to end up with Ricky, with even Tony Finau, who we didn't talk much about. Uh, Mickelson around this range. I, I I'm curious to see where he ends up. I tend to think he might go a little lower owned. I'm not the best at predicting ownership, but it's either him or Phil for me is my favorite play in this tier. But again, it's such a great tier. Yeah. The three guys that I wasn't mentioning, you know, is, is core plays for me. Finau, Cam Smith, Adam Hadwin. Finau, the course history just doesn't do it for me here. And so I'm backing off of him this week. This will probably be the week he wins then. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on those three guys and you know, anything else in this nine K tier? I'll completely with you on the fate of Hadwin and Cameron Smith. Smith probably could score enough to kind of make this things fun. He's 10th long-term in drafting points. Hadwin, I know he's playing better, but I just know. I don't think he's in the same tier as the Kuchar to Simpson range. Finau, I'm with you. Like, statistically, he rates out so well, but the but the not-so-great course history, combined with what I think will be high ownership – I just like I I like the other guys slightly better, so I will probably pass on Finau this week. The 8K range where we go next, and a, a range that I really liked a couple of weeks ago, I really don't like at all this week. In fact, I only wrote down four names out of this list. I had more names in a smaller 9K tier that I would entertain playing. Um, the first guy I don't like, but I think we should mention is Bubba Watson. He's at the very top of this tier. And Bubba Watson is a guy who, you know, he 
he has rubbed me the wrong way in certain interactions with caddies and stuff. But that being said, he does strike me as a generally fun-loving guy. This course would be a fun-loving course. Now, while he hasn't been great the last two years, he had some really good course history going back before that. Any chance you play Bubba here? I don't think so. I mean, he is, over the past five years, he's gained 32.8 strokes, which is fifth best at, in the field of this tournament. And there, there is something here. I mean, Bubba has his courses where if he likes a course, he plays well. If he doesn't, he is, like, awful. Mm-hmm. So the fact that That's, you see I mean, a, bunch of top, a bunch of top 10s and even a couple of other top 15s, plus I always wonder a little bit when I see – when I see Phil do well, when I see Bubba do well, you almost wonder if there's some sort of slight advantage to left-handers. Like, we've mm-hmm. kind of seen that at Augusta. The fact mm-hmm. that they both won multiple times. Even Mike Weir, who you mentioned a couple weeks ago. That's he right. Was a, he was a lefty who won at Augusta. So, I don't know if there's – and, again, I don't think there's a certain design for that. But, for whatever reason, then maybe there's maybe the trouble's just a left so they avoid it. But, I don't see myself going to Bubba, but I don't think he's a horrible play because he has played well here. So, you know, sub 9K, I get it. I just don't see myself on him. My favorite play probably in this tier, and I'm still trying to hammer this one out because I just don't like this tier a lot. But I do like Billy Horschel to me, um, you know, coming off of a minus 13, uh, finished eighth last week. I like to see that. He's a guy with decent but not great course history. Last year, 43rd, 24th the two years before that. Um, again, that's not something – that's not a ringing endorsement for a guy. I'm going to say it's my favorite play in the tier. I just don't like the tier. Uh, where do you stand with Horschel this week? Yeah, I took a look at him because he keeps popping up in stat models. And he did last week, despite the fact he didn't really have a great uh, course history at Torrey Pines. But – he finished eighth, and he, again, you look back, he, he caught fire in the, in the uh, playoffs, played well through the fall. I don't mind him, but again, it's just, I don't know if my roster build's going to have me looking at the high 8K range, because I still like the like the Simpson to Kucha range more than I do Horschel, even price considered. So, that I, I'm fine with him. He's third greens in regulations, ninth ball striking long term. Like, he's fine, but I just, uh, I don't think I can pull the trigger here. Maybe I get changed my mind by Wednesday night, but I, I don't see myself going to Horschel, but I think he's okay. Guy you mentioned finished in second last year, Chaz Reeve, a guy who since November has been playing good, although sparingly, right? Once in uh, early November and then twice here in January, but he finished 15, minus 15, at the Desert Classic a couple of weeks ago. Um, again, not a tier I love. He's a guy I'll consider. Um, staff, again, stat-wise, he's really good. He gained – he was he was plus eight strokes on approach at the Sony. He was he was decent at the Desert Classic. He's losing a stroke putting, but that's highly variant. He's one that I wish he was probably 8K. If he was 8K, I would probably be really considering him. It's not saying that 87 isn't fair on him. I think it is. It's just, it's somebody, I, again, I just, he's too close to that Kucher, uh Phil range for me that I don't think I can go there despite the fact he helped win me a lot of money at this tournament a year ago. Yeah, don't want to be uh, biased either pro or con on players because of what they did in one time or another against you. So I'm with you on that. A little bit of a wild card that I'm looking at here, and that's Byung-Han An. Yeah. Uh, 
I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about him. I mean, you look at his recent play, and he's been playing on the European tour in Dubai the last two two weekends. So, um, you know, who he's playing against is hard for me to like really hunker down on what I feel about him. But twenty third last year, sixth the year before, in a tier I don't like. If I'm going to spend eighty six hundred. I think he's my pick here. Well, he's the only guy at that price, so he is my pick. But you get me. If I'm going to spend around that amount of money. Yeah, he rates out well statistically long-term. Fifth tee to green, six ball striking, six bogey avoidance. Uh, Twelfth, I think that was last week at at Dubai, the Dubai Desert Classic. So there is some some concern maybe traveling across the the, uh, world. Actually, let me see if I can see. Did he – I think he might – yeah, he's done this before. Like, he was sixth – that tournament last year came to Phoenix the next week, finished 23rd. I don't see anything back to 17. He will probably get some ownership there. He's another one that DFS DFS guys like to play just simply because of, you know, his scoring ability. I'm fine with it. I think so far I'd probably play him over Horschel and Reavy just for his scoring upside. But again, I just don't see myself in the 8K range. Mm. I think we are just steering clear of this range altogether. And uh, I don't think that's a bad strategy because I I think that's something we both came to on our own. But the last guy I'll look at in the 8K range and consider uh, is Brant Snedeker. Snedeker, you know, two under last week, finished 62nd. So for a guy who's right around the middle price at 8,100, I would like to see a little bit more than that out of him. Uh, The 12, 12 under at the Sony, the five under at the Century, all okay. You know, the finish at the Sony is pretty good. Uh, I look at recent course history. Oh, he didn't play two years ago. He got a 23rd last year, 33rd three years ago, a 10th, 61st, a second. He's kind of all over the place. I feel like I trust him to make the cut. I don't know if I'm expecting a lot more than that, though. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're dead on. I think there's some better upside guys. Again, I'd rather play on for four for 500 more. I think he's got more top 10 upside here than Snedeker does. I think there's some guys in the high 7K range that I think have more upside. So Snedeker and Cash is okay. Again, at 8,100, you're kind of hoping for a top – you'd hope for a top 20, and maybe that's what his ceiling is with some potential of top 10. He's, so he's fine. He's probably much more of a cash game play than he is tournament play. Anybody else in this tier I did not bring up is – we, we skip past a handful of guys. I know we don't like it. Anybody we missed you want to bring up? I mean, I was so big on the Alex Norm last week, and you know he had a bad he had a bad Thursday at the at the at the South Course. He tried he he tried. he made a nice comeback. He did. He tried. He, he he got close. So there's some merits. Like I could maybe see myself in my secondary core, maybe throwing a, him in a couple. Um, my other guy here, again, statistical superstar, Luke List, 8,000. Uh, there's nothing shocking when it comes to Luke List. Tita Green, <laughs> phenomenal. Putting, uh, bad. Uh, he lost four strokes putting last week, but everything else he was positive. Uh, strokes gained on. Um, what's his... I feel like he's played here a couple times. Nothing great. Yeah, 26 last year, three missed cuts. That is a concern, but I think he's playing a lot better now. He's second tee to green long-term, seventh in greens and regulations, seventh birdies are better, ninth draft DraftKings points. So he's got a little bit of fill in him as far as 
Yeah, he'll he'll string some birdies and maybe an eagle together. He'll also throw a few bogeys and a double in there, but he scores well. He'll probably be 15-20% because people love playing Luke List. He's a high score and there's a big pod there's a big guy who does a golf podcast that always loves Luke List. So I he's probably the guy I'll play here from this range. He's my favorite play from the 8K range. If we like the 9K range, you pair those guys up with the 7K players, and you could probably find yourself right at that salary cap of 50K here on DraftKings. So if we like the 9K range, we got to pair with some guys in the 7K range. I wrote down a whole host of names. I won't go through each and every one. Um, I will tell you, you know, you got a couple major champs up at the top in the 7,800 range. Zach Johnson, Keegan Bradley. Do either of those guys pop for you? Um, Johnson has done good here, but not last year. Bradley has done good here, but as we talked about, Keegan Bradley has also done bad here. He can give you – he can really give you anything from – a top 15 to a mixed cup. Keegan could go here for second to about fifth from last. That's just uh, that's just Keegan's game. But he is playing – I mean, he's playing well mm-hmm. in gaining strokes and approach. Tita Green's been fine. His issue was putting like that. He, he lost seven strokes at the Tournament of Champions. Lost three at the Sony. He was actually fairly even last week at Farmers. I don't mind him. Um, he'll probably be part of my consideration there. Zach Johnson – just has not been in the best of form even towards the second half of last year and kind of even starting here um best stat long term for uh for zach is eighth par four from 400 450 there's really nothing bad about him but again maybe he's a better cash game play and i guess let me go back to keegan when i'm looking over long term he's fourth tee to green first in approach uh fourth in ball striking ninth in greens in regulation so Everything, again, everything fits there. In my stats, I'm not looking at putting, which maybe is why him and Luke List are popping up so well, because if I was waiting putting at all, they'd probably be much lower. But, you know, putting can be kind of variant. So I'd like Keegan's ups. I think Keegan's a better tournament play. Zach Johnson, a better cash game play. Down at 7,500, Taylor Gooch, a guy I can't say I know a whole lot about, but he's coming off of a third and a fourth the week before. So if you want to talk about a guy who's in form, two weeks in a row, Taylor Gooch has been outstanding. Not going to get any course history from him, so you're playing him based on what you've seen as as of late. I guarantee you he'll be in a lineup or two of mine. Oh, I think he could get wildly popular. Um, so when I said I'm looking at short-term stats, so past 12 rounds, here's what he ranks number one in. Tee to green, ball striking, greens and regulations, opportunities gained, DraftKings points. His worst ranking of all the stats I'm looking at this week is ninth in par 4, 400 to 450. Over the past 12 rounds, he's number one in my model. He's top 10 in every stat. The problem is everybody's going to see this, and he's going to get wildly popular. Like, I'm not sure I'm fully ready to observe Taylor Gooch chalk week. <laughs> like, like, I think at some point there's going to be a strategic fade here. And, it, I mean, statistically, form, everything fits. This might be the time to get off him. Like, he's he's my favorite play here just from a pure stat recent form sense. But I have a feeling if I see him start approaching 25% come Wednesday night, or even 20%, it might be time for me to hit the uh, strategic fade button for game theory purposes. Okay, here's the thing with Gooch. You play him, and a guy who I will 
throw a little bit more out about, but you throw him and you throw Brennan Steele in a lineup. Now you've got four spots left and you've got 87.75 on average to play. Uh, with just Gooch in your lineup, you now have 8,500 instead of 83.33 in average to play because these guys are under the middle price. So uh, I, I will still, I will still probably have him in, I would say probably 30% of my lineups anyway. And, and that brings me to the other guy because what I like about building from the 7,000 range first is you, you get that extra money to spend and you know you've got it there. And it's Brennan Steele. I mean, look, he didn't make the cut last week. So I feel like maybe that helps his ownership. He was 11 under, tied for 57th at the Desert Classic. That's not really that great. But there's some course history here that when I looked at this list to start with before I started going through pricing, third last year, 16th, 17th, 26th, 6th, 6th, 5th. I mean, that's some serious course history. But for a guy, you are taking a big chance on, given his recent form. Yeah, this yeah, this is another classic example of recent form versus course history because he had a very bad 2018 season. In fact, he won. I mean, he won a Safeway, which was another another tournament he uh, plays well every year. And then his only other top ten was a third at, at, at Phoenix. So he's gone a full year without a top ten. I, I can't do it until I see some better form from him, but I completely get this from a pure course history uh, standpoint. Uh, just some names that – let me know if any of these pop for you in the 7K range, guys, that I, I jotted down. Patton Kazire, Scott Piercy, J, JT Poston, Harold Varner, uh, Kevin Na, Lucas Glover. Those are all guys I'm looking at considering. Are any of those guys that you have any interest in in this list? Uh, Pat Kazire, yes. I, I mean, I don't know. How is he 7,400? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's because he did not make the cut at the uh, at the desert. Here he, he, he made it the cut. I forget what you call it when you when you get cut after three rounds. But he, uh, he, he did not play good enough to continue advancing at that desert classic where he finished uh, still 200, though. Well, that, yeah, that was a three-round event. So, yeah, he lost there. But prior to that, 13th of the Sony, 8th of the Tournament of Champions. I, he's one I wanted, I want to research a little bit more into because i got to try to figure out why he's priced so low, what I'm trying to miss. I mean, again, long-term stat-wise, he's not going to pop out because he did struggle most of the year last year after he had gotten his wins. I'm trying to find him on my on my stat model. What is he, 74? And for what it's worth, I mean, he's – He's done okay. He's made the cut here, 31st, 57th, and 60th. So um, not providing a ton of value, but also giving you four rounds each of those three years. Yeah, and even stat-wise, he's not really popping anywhere. Like, he's not terrible anywhere, but he's not great. There's no, like, he's not top 20 in any stats. So maybe that's all why. So, again, maybe he's like a last-play cash game play that's just not going to do a whole heck of a lot. But, um... He intrigues me. I, I kind of want to dig into him a little bit more. So maybe on Wednesday I'll have a better idea of where I'm at with him. And what, what are your thoughts? I, I will ask you specifically about Lucas Glover. And the reason I'll ask is uh, a 17 under tied for 12th at the Desert Classic. And then again, this is going back into November, but he's been double digits under par in his last couple of tournaments. So his recent form, again, going back a couple months as we're, you know, turning over the new year is really good. And you look at what he's done here at the course, not great, but he makes the cut. He missed the cut in 2014. Um, 
But I'm also looking at the price at 7,200. I mean, you plug him in, and all of a sudden you're looking at a nice average value for the remaining players you can play. Yeah, this feels like a misprice. When I look over the past five tournaments when it comes to, you know, strokes gained, T to green, all those numbers, he tr he rates out very well. I mean, he's he's gaining strokes T to green every event. He's gained strokes in approach for the past five events. He's historically a bad putter, but even then, the worst he's done the past five tournaments is lose two strokes putting. Like, he's all these top 20s. I know DraftKings weighs in course history a little bit, but... I, I don't know why he's this cheap. So I, I definitely think he's in play. Yeah. I, yeah. This okay. Dan, like he's, a, he's a guy I will throw in. Yeah, he feels like a misprice. And, and, again, this will be another curious one to see where he comes out um, ownership-wise. But when, even when I looked long-term stats, fifth in par four scoring for 400 to 450 yards, 26 tee to green. 22nd greens in regulation. He really doesn't have any stat that's really bad on him. So, no, at 7,200, I think Lucas Glover is a really nice play. Anybody else in the uh, range? JT Poston uh, has been playing pretty good. So, he was a guy I threw in there. Um, no course history. So, you know, um, is, is he a guy that you would be considering simply because of his recent form? And who else from the 7K range are you liking? Um, his form's not bad. Uh, again, nothing really is popping up statistically. Maybe okay. a little reliance on the putter, which always concerns me a little bit, but certainly don't mind him. Um, other guys in the 7K range, I could see myself getting on Terrell Hatton at 7,900. World-class okay. player, mainly plays on the Euro Tour, so maybe not as well known to the casual golfer. He's had some success on desert courses before over in Dubai. So he's one that... Um, Piques my interest. Um, Abraham, Abraham answer. I kind of want to dig into more. And Emiliano Brillo, 7,700, 7,600. Both, I mean, these are guys we were paying 8, 9K for the past couple weeks. Mm -hmm. So I need to kind of try to figure out why they're maybe a little bit lower. Martin Laird, 7,600 is another one with tremendous course history, but nothing really in recent form stuck out to me. Um, Sun JM, 7,300. He's kind, He was the... He was the leader on the web.com tour last year. I think he had a couple wins. He tends to be a little boomer bust. Um, 7,300 seems a little cheap on him. And then, again, boy, you can build you can build a nice lineup at 7,200. Uh, Joaquin Neiman played really well in the north course, really struggled in the south course. This course seems to fit him a little bit better. Ryan Moore's had a decent history. He missed last week. He was another big uh, one for me. And C.T. Pan, who was, what, 8,600 last week? Hundred dollar discount. So there's a lot of really good players in this range that I can definitely consider. Yeah, all names I looked at as well. Um, just really like the seven K range. It's, it, it offers you a lot more versatility than the eight K range, and not just because of the number of players that there are or the the obviously price discount, but it just seems like that eight K range not doing it for me. The seven K range I was liking a lot better. Uh, the final the final price range is the 6k range and i mean i have to start with uh well there's a lot of guys i could start with because there's some guys i like to cheer for in this range that aren't necessarily uh guys i want to play charlie hoffman my boy is all the way down in the 6k range yeah. and i won't play him this week either i'll be honest with you um but joel Dahman, i mean this guy last week you know i looked at the recent form and said what the heck let's let's play a couple lineups where i get him in as he's still in the 6,000 range after a t9 uh, minus 12. I mean, he helped me get Rose. He helped me get Jason Day in lineups last week. 
Why wouldn't I want to play him this week? Yeah, um, the only knock against him I can see is he gained seven strokes putting. And he, I mean, he was bad on approach. But again, if you go back to the end of June, the only two cuts that he has missed was the Northern Trust and the Dell, both both playoff events. The Waste Management Phoenix Open is not a playoff event. It will play a lot easier. This again, this is another one. He's gonna he's gonna stick out statistically. He, you kind of saw him. He was on the first page of the leaderboard for a little bit yesterday before he kind of faded out. But yeah, I'm with you. I I don't know why he's still 6,800. Like I saw that. Like you've got to be kidding me. Uh, stat wise, long term, 22nd tee to green, 11th in par four strokes gain. He's top 12 in both distances for par four from 400 to 450 and 450 to 500. Uh, really no weakness. 32nd DraftKings points. So 23rd bogey avoidance. I can see myself going right back to him too and. You know, if we want to fit in some of those 10K guys or even a few of the 9K guys, we're going to have to dip down in this range, and Dahman should be in a 7K, so I, I'll take the savings on him. Yeah, I just pop him and Gucci in, and you've almost got 9000 to spend on your remaining four golfers. That's very, very enticing. Uh, another guy at 6800 Aaron Badele. Um He's won the tournament before. He finished 16th at the Desert – I'm sorry, minus 16, tied for 18th at the Desert Classic two weeks ago. Finished 26 here last year. Uh, I mean, there are plenty of reasons not to like him, but at 6,800, there's some reasons to like him too. He's actually not, he, he's been playing decent as of late too. When I look, um, gained six strokes in the Desert Classic. Even when we go back to the fall, he, he was fourth at the Safeway, getting 10 strokes. Um, the pro problem though, Desert Classic was five and a half strokes putting. Safeway, he was nine plus nine or gained nine strokes approach. So. He is a little inconsistent, but again, you're, you're talking about a past champion. It playing decently well at this price range, I don't mind it. A couple top 25s already, so why not? A few other names in this uh, range that I like, but one isn't so much a guy I'm looking forward to playing as I'm looking forward to watching. Uh, give me a reason to put Freddie Jacobson in my lineup. Oh. I do enjoy watching the big guy play. Freddie Jacobson? Yeah, I, he's at 6,300. He hasn't played since November. When he did, he was plus three. Uh, he missed the cut the last three tournaments he played. Uh, so this is a guy I enjoy watching him. The last time he played here was four years ago, and he finished seventh. It, it's been a while since he's done anything of note, though. Yeah, you'd have to go. Uh, let's see. He only he he didn't play many events last year, but he only made two cuts. So, just, you know, nothing form-wise. I was actually surprised when I saw his name. Like, oh. Yeah, I haven't seen him play in a long time. Right. Like, he was one, I, I think, back in, like, 2016 when I, you know, one of my better years. I played him quite a bit, and he had some nice finishes there. But, yeah, recent form, I can't go there. I actually have a $6,300 golfer I prefer instead. All and, right. Well, that's all I got for you in the 6000 range is – I don't really plan on dipping past about 6,800. So who do you like in this range? And let's start with that $6,300 guy. It's a guy who I kind of got on a little bit last at the end of last season. Really haven't played him yet in the fall. Uh, I'm trying to think. I might have played him in the fall. 
Yeah. Uh, I bet it's I bet it's not Jim Herman, right? It is not Jim Herman. No, I did not play him. <laughs> the, the University of Cincinnati prospect. I even saw him tweet out how he's excited to go play this tournament. And I was like, find my narrative to play him. I'm like, no, yes, man, it's not uh, happening. I know. No, it's uh, Mackenzie Hughes, who he barely made the cup, but he had a great Saturday playing, and he was alongside Tiger. Like, he played really well with Tiger. Gained three, gained three and a half strokes on approach. He just doesn't, I mean, at 6,300, he kind of caught fire in the summer last year. This kind of, as, as, a, as a cheap dart throw, I don't mind him coming off a nice week a week ago. Has made both cuts, even if he did get MDF, the made cut, but didn't finish at the Sony. I don't think he's terrible at 6,300. Again, I'm not going on my way to play him by any means, but I don't think he's terrible. And then the only other guy I have any interest in, 6,700, I tend to play this guy a lot, Stuart Sink. He tends to show up every now and then. Hasn't played this event in quite a while. But even in recent events, um, he's kind of been okay. He gained six strokes at the Sony, a little considering that most of it was around the green. Just missed last week at the Farmers. But we saw him... Yeah, again. minus two. I mean, to get cut at minus two is not terrible. Yeah, I'm not going to... Yeah, I'm not going to hold that against the golfer. I mean, it could be, you know, you had one bad lie or, you know, you hit a shot and it was... Ball just came out a lot differently than you expect. So I don't hold that against him. I think he's a better player than some of these other guys at 68, 6,900. So at that discount at 67, I will take some shares of uh, Mr. Stewart sink. Definitely do not disagree with you there. Um, I have pretty much covered all the guys I like. I think this is an interesting week to set a lineup um, simply because I think, I don't think you have to reach up into the highest price guys. I think, your cheapest price guy can still be a guy maybe you don't feel like has a good chance to win, but has a good chance to finish top 10, top five. I think it should be a fun week to set lineups. It's obviously going to be a fun week to watch golf too. Right. Yeah. I, there's a lot of options you can go. Like I know, I think you said last week, something about maybe just, you know, throwing one lineup every week where it's just nothing but like the eight K guys and high seven K guys. Mm -hmm. You could do that. I'm just not sure. I probably won't this week. <laughs> yeah, I, as I say, I'm just not sure this is the week that you really want to uh, want to do that. But there's a lot of different builds. I think I think there's even some builds where if you want to play two guys in the 10K plus range, I think there's enough value in the 6Ks and low 7Ks that you can pull it off. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And, I mean, you know, as I saw firsthand last week, I had to – Two lineups that only had four guys make the cut. One of those lineups had two guys in the 10K-plus range, and Day and Rose. Obviously, it certainly helped to cash that one of those guys won, and the other one was pretty good. And then I had a guy like Joel Dahman coming out of the 6K range and, and finishing really well, too. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think this is certainly a week where you can you can even do it with the 9Ks. I think while, uh, while I bet you I still do a real mean price uh, – up where I will use some of these $8,000 guys that I don't necessarily love, but, you know, we'll start with a Reeve and on and a Snedeker and see what I build from there. But then I think the 7K, 9K build, I think it's really there. And maybe you throw in one 6K guy because I think we both have a couple of guys in the 6K price range that we feel shouldn't be in there um, or at least one a piece, right? And then you take those and you get yourself a nice boost on your average price. I think you can really build well from the 7 to 9K range. Right. So, I think, that, again, this is another one I think when we get to um, when we get to Wednesday night, looking at the, looking at the ownership, um, 
there's enough good plays around some of these other guys that if I um yeah if I if I, if I see that you know say Phil's getting way too popular I can go to Kucher. If Hideki's getting out of control, I'll go to Rom. If, you know, Taylor Gooch is getting, again, wildly overrated, I'll go, you know, I'll go to some of these other guys in the 7K range. Like, even, like, someone like Terrell Hatton, I think, could go overlooked. And I think he's got potential to win. So, yeah, this is a really fun week. Like, outside the majors, the John Deere's my favorite tournament because, well, I'm, I'm in Illinois, so that just kind of makes sense. That's fair. But outside of that, this is one of my favorite tournaments just for the atmosphere. And really, it's a wide open field. I, the pricing, I think, is very good. I, you know, you know, this is going to be really fun to see how I narrow my player pool down. Because there's a lot of players I want to play. But it's a fun week. This, you know, this was a really good week to go play, um, you know, 20 lineups or five lineups or whatever. Because it, it's going to be a fun one. And for those people that just enjoy watching golf, this, as you watch the 16th hole, it's kind of like when you sit around after you finish a scramble with your buddies, because I don't really like to drink on the golf course. I like to drink afterwards, but at scrambles, it's almost like you have to because you paid for the beer that's already on the course anyway. This is like sitting back at the course. You're at the clubhouse. You're watching people finish. And that is what it's, it's almost like the end of a scramble on 16 instead of a, a PGA tournament. Um, a different feel, but a lot of fun. Right, that's what I think people love about it, is the fact it's kind of yeah. like the casual, you know, it's like, oh, hey, we can relate. I mean, obviously not the whole crowd full, but, you know, these guys who we see play a whole lot just in quiet conditions, like it's completely rowdy and it kind of makes it fun, so. Or maybe it's like the end of my league play. If I'm in the first group and I'm sitting around 9 or 18, it's like that. Maybe not quite the scramble because, well, scrambles get a little out of control. And, and you're probably not playing for a million dollars either, so. <laughs> no, you know, we usually, uh, I think we put in a dollar for closest to the pin. So, you know, I can relate to playing for those big bucks, sort of. Not exactly. <laughs> not. A... Hey, you know what? It's still pride. <laughs> like, you want to take that, it's not the dollar you care about. It's just the pride of beating your yeah, buddies. Yeah, it's about saying, being closest to the pin. That's absolutely. right. Yeah. No, that's, that's I, I do that too sometimes, and that's fun. These, these references will only get worse as we get the April of my league kicks back in, but. Oh. Uh, Skeeter, it's uh, it was fun again, man. I'm looking forward to building some lineups, and uh, it was good to get a little break from the cold weather that's oh. gripping the Midwest and talk about some golf and thinking about wearing golf shirts and catching a little uh, golf golfer's tan. So, by the way, do, with this polar, polar vortex, are you hit by it at all? Are you going to have any of these insane yeah, wind it's gonna chills? Be, it's going to be crazy cold. Yeah, I think I heard negative 20 wind chill. You know, that's probably overnight or whatever, but um, I've barely been outside today. I don't know that I'll be outside much in the next couple of days. Like, I'm in central Illinois, kind of the Peoria area. Like, 40 below is what they're calling for Wednesday morning wind chills. Mm-hmm. Like, there's yeah, already, we're getting... There's already schools and businesses that are already, closed, that are already saying they're going to be closed on Wednesday. Some I've, even I've the, seen some of that on Twitter. I mean, it's just... It's nuts. It's going to be nuts around here. Like, I mean, it's just... It's, I think, the coldest we've ever had, or at least I can remember, so. Yeah, it's, uh, it, we're going to be getting it, too, so I will certainly be looking forward to checking out some golf and, you know, watching, watching some Super Bowl. I mean, not, uh, not going outside, and, and you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I am, too, you know. When it's so cold outside, I'm like, oh, it'll be nice to kind of, um, kind of watch, you know, nice warm conditions in Phoenix yes. and all the fun atmosphere, so. 
So, by the way, since Wednesday is kind of the day where it's going to be really cold here, and I'm a teacher, and I really don't think I'm having school, uh, the Wednesday update I could see getting a little bigger as I really dig into some of these golfers with, with nothing else to do because, hey, it's cold outside, and we're not going to be able to leave. So, don't be surprised if you see my Wednesday update be a little bigger than usual. I'm not going to promise it, but it has the potential to. If I really start, you know, I have some extra time, I might try to really dig into some of these golfers to figure out whether or not they're worth playing or fading. Yeah, and like I've said before, I'll say it again. If you guys have any questions on guys we didn't mention, um, you know, want to dig a little deeper into any certain players, feel free to reach out to Skeeter or myself on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I'm at JamesAdams94. You're at Skeeter Robinson, right? Yes, that is correct. So just fire a tweet out. We'll, uh, or, you know, reply to the links that we have out there for the podcast, and, and we'd be more than happy to talk some golf with you throughout the week. Yeah, uh, Skeeter? And can I no, promote, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, so if I could promote one more thing is um, Sunday morning during the Fantastic Show, since there's Prop Bet Radio, I think I'm going to go on and there's always some, on Super Bowl Sunday, there's always some fun crossover props. Yeah. So like, you know, it could be, you know, Phil Mickelson's final, what's, what's, what is higher, Phil Mickelson's final round or Todd Gurley rushing yards or, I you know, I don't know what combinations I'll come out with. So that's what I'm going to go on and talk. That actually sounds about. like a good prop bet. Or, you know, um, what number of number of points from Steven Goskowski or or number of field goals from Steven Goskowski or number of birdies from Ricky Fowler? So I don't know if those are actual bet. I mean, I know there's crossover bets. I don't know what they're going to be, but there's always some fun ones there. So I, I'll be going on this Sunday. I don't know what time yet on the Insider Baseball Show to talk with Lou and Michael about those crossover props. Yeah, no, looking forward to that and. Uh... I will definitely, uh, I'll definitely be interested to check in some of those props out too. So keep me posted with those, and um, you know, definitely check out the guys uh, there on Fantastics as baseball's coming around too, and we'll certainly uh, help you out there on the SiriusXM program. But uh, for now, this is James Adams along with Skeeter Robinson. We appreciate everybody joining us again for the DFS uh, DraftKings breakdown pricing for my fantasy fix. Uh, good luck, everybody, and. Enjoy the golf this weekend.